Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel Amarsi Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adel Amarsi, and I think I need to turn up the gain slightly. There we go. So today we are joined by the one and only, who I am actually going to call him this because I can see him and you guys can't, the bold genius of sales and funnels. Oh, and he, I've got to go with that because you are bold and also more importantly, <laughs> you do design some of the best funnels I've seen. Um, this dude is a funnel builder. He's a business owner. He's an entrepreneur. He's a good friend and a bassist as well as a fellow musician. So the one and only Rob Sales and his name actually is S-A-Y-L-E-S and no wonder he's in doing what he's doing because it's fucking awesome. Dude, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. I'm glad to have you on here, man. And I'm sorry that I'm not sorry. I'm like, I'm just You're totally not sorry. So, I'm, not so, I'm not sorry. I'm totally using that as your strap line for something. Number time. of shits given zero. <laughs> Number of laughs shared plenty. <laughs> oh, Joyce. So I actually, Rob and I met last year. I want to say August, September time is when we actually like first yeah, got yeah. in each other's worlds. And I don't even remember how that started, but really liked him from the get-go and next thing you know we're planning an event and next thing you know after that we've met up in person haven't done the event yet because we're still planning it and uh it's gonna happen and genuinely rob is one of those really cool people that you meet that, you, that really understands the fundamentals of copywriting and funnel design and then takes it to another level like he takes that and just runs with it like a madman the amount of times i've had to pull him back is kind of slightly insane but mm -hmm. it's been fun. Dude, thank you for being here, and I appreciate you for taking the time today, because I know it's pretty busy today. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what it's like. It's always fucking busy. There's always something going on. But I think I think it's important to take time out to chat with people, to build relationships. I think when you look – I mean, <clears throat> the way that our relationship came around, I think, was friends of friends. <clears throat> yep. And a few years ago when I started doing – my own business rather than working for the man doing this kind of stuff um i very quickly realized like the power of social media for building relationships with people there's so many people out there that that pedal shit yep. that are just pushing promotions all the time that i thought you know what what is the point in having someone that is listed as a friend through my social media profile when i don't know that fucking person why don't i actually reach out and start to have a conversation start to build a relationship that's when you start to actually understand that not everybody's the same you know that everybody has quirks and style and behavior and backgrounds and all of those interesting things that actually make us human beings and not just profile pictures with stupid biogs attached to us yeah i mean i find that really annoying that we've seen so many people pedal shit i actually recently had a friend of mine uh, message me and tell me how horrible an experience she had on a retreat four days, which we're totally going to be using as reason to what we're doing differently. Um, I asked them, what, how do people like this even succeed? And her response was, they lie through their teeth and they're very comfortable doing so. Yeah. And I'm like, that's one thing that I love about you is the amount of integrity that you have to everything that we do is insane. Even when we had to change the dates of our event, um, you didn't shy away from that. Fuck, you basically turned into a little party, invited people along, and next thing we know, we've got a little speakeasy kind of thing going. And it's yeah, lovely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, you, which you're now calling them, which I love, which are brilliant. Um, so I got to ask more than anything, and right before we actually do, I've got to do a sponsor shout-out for, of course, this website. Uh, this episode is sponsored by uh, robsales.co.uk. If you guys go there, check it out, get into this man's world. It's going to have a lot of fun funnel things in there for you to pick up. And ideas to run with 
the question I had for you was how the hell did you get into funnel building? Because if Ooh. I remember, because the thing is, a lot of people didn't even fucking know what a funnel was until everyone started touting it like three years ago. Like, I, I, I genuinely don't think that a lot of people still understand truly what a funnel is. And maybe we, can, maybe we can pick up on that. But to answer your, your question, I've been in the digital space since 96. So long story short, a bit of background. I was doing a music degree at university, final year. And we were doing a lot of studio mixing, a lot of live mixing. We were doing video production, soundtrack to video, filmmaking, all sorts of crazy like media production stuff. <clears throat> and there was a tiny little module that was introduced in my final year, like months before I was about to finish my degree, called the internet. And I'm like, what is this? I'm speaking to the tutor and he's like, this is insane. Like you're going to be able to put your music and video online and people around the world can see it. And I literally fell over backwards. I'm like, you know, this is 96. Yeah. So this is 20 plus years ago. I'm like, no fucking way. This is insane. And it just sparked something in me, this idea that you could communicate ideas and creativity and art with other people all over the world. It sparked my entire career. So I went off, started doing stuff with marketing agencies in the very, very early days of the internet, uh, design and development, project management. I ended up doing a lot of production management, running big agencies, building big agencies on behalf of private uh, clients and stakeholders. Went all the way through the whole gamut of stuff. I was also running my own little freelance business, you know, part-time website building business alongside full-time employment with these agencies. But about three years ago, after a big corporate gig with Aviva, which is a, a UK insurance company, I did digital strategy and program management for them, um, things started getting shitty. They were going through restructures over and over and over again every year. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to fucking take redundancy. I've had enough of this shit. Like. Yeah. I've been doing my own business for 10, 15 years. I've worked in the industry for 20 plus years. Maybe I can make something of it. Um, so I thought we're doing Famous last that. words. Famous, Famous last words. Fucking hell. I mean, terrifying. Terrifying. Those first few months, like, shit. What, you mean, like, nobody's actually going to pay me just for turning up and doing something? You know, I've got to sort out. All these other things that if you run your own business, you you know, you'll you'll recognize all the moving parts that make it happen. And I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing. But yep. what I realized fairly quickly is in all of that time producing websites and doing e-commerce projects and that kind of stuff, that something had changed. Like with societal change, technology change, social media, the whole advertising industry changing that websites and brochureware, e-commerce is slightly different, but websites and brochureware, and I need to be really careful with this because I've got partners that run in that industry, but that a lot of that stuff is dead. Like really what this stuff, what funnels to me is really all about is attracting new people Well, no, to I, engage I, them to get them to a point of sale. And hold it, on. It, um, it, could you repeat that? Because you, you literally cut out for like a good five seconds. Really? 
Yeah, like for a good five seconds, like you Did completely. I? Cut, yeah, I'm still here. Like you cut out for like a good five seconds. That's weird. Yeah, that is. Yeah. So, like <laughs> running it back, like so basically, it was from brochure. The real point of a funnel is, and then you just cut out. We didn't do that on purpose, guys. I promise. Yeah, pesky fucking internet. Um, yeah. So th- th- this whole idea of, of brochureware to me seemed a little bit backwards. And when I started seeing that funnels were actually a process to uh, reach out to audiences, to create brand awareness, to engage and nurture and build relationships to a point of conversional sale, I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. Like, this is interesting stuff. This isn't just whacking content up in front of people. These funnel things, like, they have a purpose. You know, they are laser-focused on doing one thing and one thing only. Um, And it so happened that I kind of switched from doing website stuff to thinking more about campaigns and funnels and strategies and that kind of thing, which made sense to me because I'd, I'd done it for years and years and years, but I never really understood what funnels truly were. Um, I only stumbled across funnels because of the uh, click funnels community, which is genius in itself as a piece of software. It's not the greatest. I've worked behind the scenes with the CEO uh, doing stuff with it. It's not an amazing piece of kit, really, but but a little bit like uh, you know, if you are looking at clearing the 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 carpet because it's got shit all over it you naturally go where's the hoover you don't say where's the vacuum cleaner there's that brand association and click funnels have been very very good at associating themselves the as a brand funnel. with the word funnel yeah so yeah, and yeah funnel f- funnels to me is just like the brave new world and there are so many different ways of approaching it yeah there really are there's like a bunch of different ways of looking at it and it's something i really want to explore with you because uh, one of my initial mentors, Ken Foodie, um, actually taught me like ninety percent of what I know about funnel creation. Mm. Like you know the you know the standardized funnel that everyone kind of started using after digital marketer brought it into place, which was the whole free offer to tripwire to upsell to upsell to upsell, then Slack adjustment all the way up to like the high end program. Yep. Yeah, that was Ken's idea. Like he's the dude that came up with this, and I was like, oh shit, no way! So I learned from him. Um, but the key thing that he drilled into my head repeatedly was customer experience trumps everything. Yep. Like, like I know I'm a great copywriter, and I know for a fact I write better funnel copy than the majority of people. Hell, my worst days are better than most people on their best days. We know this. We've seen it. But what I still find that really irritates the shit out of me is how people really don't understand that no matter how great your copy is, if the offer itself doesn't make sense we can't sell it it it, it won't fit into the funnel flow oh like, fuck yeah the, the, there is so much and this is where i'm spending more time doing strategy work and consulting with you know businesses or or white labeling to agencies which i do a lot of any of that kind of stuff is to actually get all the moving parts worked out first and then work out what the best approach to producing a funnel might be um, if you haven't worked out your audience, then how do you know how to communicate with them? You know, without knowing your audience, your copy is fucked. Without knowing your audience, your your branding might be completely off. Without having your offer properly defined, again, how do 
you actually create a proposition that you're going to put in front of an audience and then what does the journey look like do you give them something free or you're going to tripwire them or are you going to put them in a webinar or you're going to take them to an e-commerce website you know you 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 without having all of those building blocks in place you can't realistically build anything with any degree of certainty that it's going to work well when you launch something it's never going to be perfect your your headlines and your copy are going to need adjusting the way that the the funnel behaves or the way that it looks or the email sequences or the retargeting ads, all the moving parts of the funnel are going to need dialing up and down. But until you start turning the tap on and flowing stuff through, you're never going to know. But if you don't have some of the like key ingredients worked out first, then you haven't got a can in hell's chance of, of getting any reasonable level of success. Yeah, no, I agree with that entirely. You need to know exactly what goes on with your customer's avatar. And I hate that fucking word <laughs> so very much. It's like, I don't know about you, but do you have like a list of marketing phrases that you just can't stand? Oh, fucking loads of them. And to be honest with you, funnel is one of them. Same. <laughs> it's like I have a list because I'm building out my uh, my office. Um, still doing it. So I'm finishing up the remnant stay of the bookshelf. I've got like a um, in front of me on my wall. I literally have a list of words that I don't like using in copy, and I don't like people like referring to themselves as like I'm a funnel hacker or I create avatars or like I'm some sort of ninja. That was always the one that always got me. Is like why do you associate yourself with like black belt or ninja when you don't <laughs> practice martial arts? Yeah, and it's funny. A lot of the agencies that I worked for, we would have like buzzword bingo. Um, we'd normally do it on a Friday. So we'd, you know, sit around and, and break bread together in the morning. And normally we'd do it, you know, as a production team, we'd do, we'd do it with the account managers. We'd just sit and listen to phone calls and tick off on a little bingo sheet, like how many fucking buzzwords the account managers have used on a, a call to the client. And normally it's things like return on investment, key performance indicators, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it, it, it's it's weird because the more time that I spend with my uh, client's avatar, the more I realize that that sort of person doesn't know or doesn't really care what some of these buzzwords are. You know, there are a big, big ticket potential clients that I've been speaking with. And if I insert a word like funnel into conversation, they're completely lost. They have no idea what I'm talking about. So... I think it's important as a marketer or as a business owner that provides certain sorts of services to a client base to fucking work out pretty quick what common terminology and language is your your audience actually using and what stuff do they hate or what stuff do they not understand. It's your responsibility to make sure that you're not just using common words that we collectively as a community use because you'll, you'll lose people. People will turn off. Yep, they really do. Like, cause that's they've heard it all before. Yeah, that that's all it is. It's kind of like you're still saying the same thing. And um, one of the best, one of the best, uh, God, what was it? Quotes I've heard recently was, "What's the difference between good copy and bad copy? If you don't have good copy, you're competing on prices. If you have great copy, you're competing on a true offer. Like it's it's like walking into the same. If you've got a bad funnel." which I hate the word of, if you don't have a good, let's call it conversion sequence, because that's what it is. 
If you don't have a good conversion sequence, you're essentially just going to shaft yourself because you're now trying to compete with everyone else that has the exact same idea, modality, and moduality. Yep. Versus if you have an actual customer experience conversion funnel uh, or conversion sequence, um, you will get people actually buying at a higher rate because you're doing something different than they've not seen before. Yep. I mean, it, it, it's it's funny actually. Are you um are you okay if I just go voice only if I kill my video? Oh yeah, for sure. Go yeah, for yeah, it. I, I've I've killed mine as well, just simply. Yeah, because. yeah. I'm just I'm just wary of uh, wary of uh, shitty internet. Yeah, it, it's interesting. In in about two thousand and three, we were doing a shitload of stuff in one of the agencies that I was working for. Um, we were doing a lot of uh, banner advertising. So this is at the point in time when eBay was really, really like storming it. You know, this is pre-Amazon era, pretty much. eBay was king. Yeah, pretty big. And a lot of our big clients realized that this idea of multi-channel advertising made sense. So clients like Sony and Sky and Fuji, big entertainment companies that we were working for, um, they wanted to do banner advertising. So, you know, they had an offer or they were launching a product or whatever. They wanted banner ads all over the place. So we were putting banners on third-party networks. Uh, we were putting banners on eBay and all the rest of it. Um, and this was before something called heat mapping or eyeball tracking was really big. So you would put a banner in a certain position on, you know, like eBay's homepage or on, I don't know, MSN's news homepage or whatever. You know, you pay for the advertising slot. You give them some creative, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we didn't have any idea how it would perform. We could track stuff, but we didn't know in real time how people were actually behaving. Were they seeing the ads? Were they, you know, watching them for a certain amount of time? All that kind of stuff. And over time, and, and this became a bit of an industry norm, the viewer started getting snow blind the viewer started actually ignoring certain position positions on pages so those big banners that sit right across the top of home pages or the ones uh called skyscrapers that sit down the right hand side or the little square ones that would sit somewhere in the kind of feedy type areas people started ignoring people started developing blind spots and i think there's a massive risk with digital marketing as it stands right now that people start to do the same if you see the same copy style if you see the same ad style if you see the same kind of funnel over and over again as an end user you start to become numb to it you start ignoring it because it's so prevalent and so it means so little to you that you start developing blind spots and this is where the good creative guys the good advertisers the good marketing agencies start playing around with ideas like pattern interrupts or doing things that are a little bit different just to catch people's attention and then draw them into whatever the proposition is so you constantly see these hacks and tricks and tips coming up over and over again and what i find fascinating as a fucking dinosaur of the industry is seeing people coming up with these ideas like it's new it's like shit now this stuff was happening 10 15 years ago it's just that the platforms have changed but yeah you're absolutely right kind of getting getting a, getting the message on point so that another human being is actually emotionally engaged by it that is the trick how you actually do that whether it's a visual thing or whether it's a video or whether it's copy or you know some great offer or something else 
kind of doesn't matter. That's kind of between you and whatever it is you're offering and whatever problem the audience has. Um, you kind of work that out. But I think there are trends of when things work well for a certain amount of time and then they start to die out because there's too much of it going on. And the issue or the challenge for a lot of us is that social media and the internet accelerates all of this. So within weeks, something that worked really well can actually die out and you need to find a new way of doing things. Some things traditionally always stay the same. And this is what I love about user journey, good brand experience and copywriting. You marry those three things together and they can be absolutely timeless. You know, you can, you can create something and it still performs insanely well 10 years later. Yeah, it really does because it's one of those things. Um, it's one of those things I actually find really fascinating. Again, as you said, what is old hat to us, new young people online are discovering like it's like fire again. They're like, oh my God, this is fire. Fire is new. And it's like, we've been doing this for a long time. It goes through yeah. in circles. The difference that I found though is the speed as we're increasing um as we're becoming more and more known online, as in like the more it advances every single year, what was once old to what is now new, um, that gap in time is quickening. Like I, th I, I think it is in in certain circles. It's interesting. You know, I've been doing some work with a couple of clients recently, and their ideal customer base is are still heavy email users. You know, and, yeah. and email's been around for, yeah, I mean, literally decades. It, it was, you know, one of the first things kind of really before the, the, the middle 90s. Email was already booting around and then the internet kind of married up with it and everything started to happen. But um, we're now building funnels or marketing ecosystems, whatever the fuck you want to call them, that heavily lean into email. The only thing that the funnel in inverted commas really needs to do is get people onto a list. The rest of the conversion process happens over time in people's inbox, depending on whether they open and click and how they're tagged and segmented and all the rest. We're kind of complementing that with retargeting ads that exist on Google and Facebook because that's where their customer base is. But most of the actual relationship building is going on in people's inboxes. I think it very much depends on what it is that you do as a business and knowing your ideal customer, like where they are most likely to actually engage with whatever it is that you do. Yeah, agree. Entirely agree with you. Even it's to the same point that I put up a post about what are some of your best rules for email. And it's really interesting how people, again, it goes back to that whole thing. What used to work back in the old days of email was that you'd write an email subject line that was very to the point. So something yeah. like, oh, seminar this weekend. But because people had become blind to those kinds of emails, we had to come up with story-based subject lines or beneficial subject lines or something that would intrigue the reader to read. What's really interesting is how those same boring subject lines are now making a comeback. Yeah, and it's a bit of a challenge because a lot of the platforms, you know, yeah, you imagine if for two or three years, a load of 
slightly dodgy internet marketers working on behalf of their clients are driving out tens of thousands of emails with you know vaguely the same subject line like quick don't miss this thing um and a lot of people are reporting that as spam they're like you know because of the way that these guys are doing it it's not really hitting the mark everybody's getting pissed off they're reporting it as spam the email service providers are then going to start reducing deliverability around those particular subject lines so suddenly there's like everything starts to cave in on itself um, and it becomes harder and harder and harder and, and kind of experimenting with things like subject lines and those, you know, that initial paragraph that you can sometimes show depending on the platform and all the rest of it. All of that shit's important. But I think with changes in spam rules and GDPR and blah, 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 you know, like the, the game is changing. You're right. It changes fairly quickly. Um I used to, you know, here's a bit of a thing, because I was very proud of my design heritage. There's always been a creative streak in me. I love doing, I'm, I'm not a brand strategist. I don't profess to be, you know, a guru or any kind of expert in that space. But I've done a lot of branding work over the years. And I apply that to the technology. I apply that to the campaigns that we're creating. It's important to me for there to be a seamless user journey, the voice and the style and the copy and the appearance of everything that goes on in that entire marketing space is really important for a business to make a really good impression with the end user, the person that's, that's likely to buy. Um, and I think because of that, I kind of learn, um, that it's it's a little bit less about the, the the platform in particular, and it's a little bit more about how you hatch actually you know handling the the whole process, what the the handover points are between one step um, of a funnel and another. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that, um, and this kind of brings me back to my point earlier that I wanted to explore on. What do you see happening that's moving forward in the world of? what we call funnels like what is it that you actually better question what is your definition of a good funnel because a lot of people still don't have understand that fully and i'd love to get your exact <laughs> definition of it <laughs> fucking hell um let's piss some people off it'll be fun yeah well honestly i am still working on that you know as, as i'm working with my ideal client thing avatar profile whatever you want to call it I'm acutely aware that that word is very difficult for people to understand. So I'm trying to replace it with something else. The, the closest I've got so far is like it's a it's a campaign or a marketing ecosystem. It's the whole fecking thing from end to end, from an initial point of contact, be that offline or be that online. You know, whether it's an ad, whether it's a social media post on a page or a profile regardless of the platform, like somebody stumbles across you, your potential ideal customer stumbles across your brand. That is the start of the funnel. At that point, what are you going to do with them? Do you just want to give them some value? Are you going to take them through a whole load of, you know, video content? Are you going to post a load of stuff that makes them go, wow you know these guys are the experts there you know i had this challenge i had this problem and and through this free stuff that they've been giving me on whatever channel it is that you know is most appropriate um 
they've been kind of building a relationship with me. I'm starting to trust them. You know, they've given me a few ideas. I have no fucking idea how I'm going to implement this stuff, but it's got me thinking. They start to actually engage with a brand. At that point, very much depending on what it is that you do, you're going to ask them to make a micro-commitment. That micro-commitment can be as simple as, you know, an email address, or it can be uh, booking into your calendar for a one-to-one call, or it can be attending an event, or it can be, you know, paying seven pounds or whatever the fuck it is for something, you know, whether it's a piece of information or to view a video or to get a book in a post or whatever. The point being is that as soon as possible, you want to start to get contact information from them so that you can use that for a myriad of different purposes. Um, And then you can, like we were talking about before, you can start stepping them through what's called a value ladder, which is just basically, you know, taking them further and further into your business environment, your business world, um, and asking them to start making uh commitments to transacting you know paying for a little bit of something some funnels that i've worked on are like two years long um some of them are incredibly quick it's like you know in the e-commerce world for example uh if there is a known problem like i don't know we have a deep freeze for a week and there is an issue that a community of people have, which is every time I wake up in the morning, my fucking windscreen is iced over. Then logically you posting some stuff about your ice scraping solution um, and running some ads, you know, there's no point in taking people on a great big merry journey. They just have a problem. You have the solution. Um, you can very quickly just slam them into a very simple transactional funnel that just says, Hey, you know, uh, give us your email address, we'll give you 10% off, and then there's an email follow-up and a retargeting ad, and it takes them to a product page, and hey, presto, they can order their ice scraping kit. Boom, it's fulfilled the next day. Um, completely depends on the business, but ultimately to me, I think the definition of a funnel is it is just a structured, like I say, marketing ecosystem or a campaign system that has the intention of getting people's information and selling stuff, whatever that might be. And it may be that that selling process happens over quite a long period of time and takes someone from a $10 transaction to a $10,000 transaction. I agree. And that is so powerful because like, it's all about, again, market awareness. What you know is how long it'll take them to get to that sale. And also something like an ice scraper, that right there is, it really comes down to, can what I have, whether it's info or an actual e-com product, um, help my customer get a result fairly quickly? And if so, is it priced accordingly where it's not even a decision to make it? Yeah, yeah, completely. You know, that, if, and, and there are different ways of, of kind of handling that stuff. When I worked with the dental industry uh, a couple of years ago, it's like there's no way that a cold audience, i.e. an audience that's never heard about you before, even if they're in the same town or city, you know, they're aware of, of you as a business. They've seen you when they've walked down the street, you know, maybe they've seen some offline ads or somebody's mentioned you or whatever. It's highly unlikely that you are going to get a 
unaware, relatively oblivious member of an audience to pay thousands and thousands of pounds for something that is relatively cosmetic. You know, it's not like they've lost a limb and they need it replaced. And it's like something that would is very emotionally important to them, but probably not something that they're going to choose to buy straight away. Um, it doesn't make sense to push that straight at them. It may be that you need to give them something that builds some trust. So for a lot of dental campaign work, for example, it can be something like coming in for a free teeth whitening. Well, what you're actually doing, there's still a funnel there. There is still a marketing campaign that's working, but it switches between online and offline at a point that they step through uh, the door into the reception and they go and have this free procedure the staff actually within the building and the sales messages that are on the wall actually start to promote this other more expensive thing and it may be that you with an email address that you've captured you follow up with them a couple of weeks later and see if they're interested in a finance deal but again it's that thing of understanding your fucking audience having a very, very clearly defined product stack or series of products value ladder that you might take people through and working out the best way of, of actually getting people to continuously engage. Oh, yeah, definitely. And something that you said that I really want to touch upon as well, especially with the dental industry, that's a great industry to work in. But the simplest thing when I worked for them uh, and with them, I found that really helped out with heating up um, – Heating up your prospect. It wasn't just, especially in the dental industry, and if you're in kind of like more of a real, you know, you, you have a different transaction than say what we do, or you're not an info product creator or something like that. Heating someone up is fairly simple. And by fairly simple, you can actually get something as, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, Rob, but like you can actually get like uh, tickets to, to cruises at like a ridiculously low price, like yep. in bulk. So what you can do is you can actually end up entering, uh, you can get someone to actually enter the name and email address at your dentistry to go on this cruise that the dentistry is putting on. And then you can follow it with the email sequence right then and there going, hey, so this is us and that's more of an awareness campaign. I guarantee you, you will probably not make money on that because I've seen that run before. It won't make you money right away. Give it six months it'll make you money. The reason basically being is as long as you've kept consistent and not kept offering them the cruise over and over and over again, they've done that, but now you get to build a relationship with them a little bit more and be like, hey, if you're on the cruise, come say hi to me. I'm over here. Come meet me. It'll be great. That right there allows you to build up such an in-person report or even a webinar. I mean, like, hey, let's do a webinar about like all the things that you want to avoid on a cruise so you don't have to come see uh, your dentist like me next month to get your teeth fixed. Um, and that's just a little report that you guys can throw out. Terrible ideas, by the way, but like these are things that I've run with. The um, Sorry, not terrible ideas. The good ideas are that you create something that you can give as value. So with dentistry, I wouldn't say do a cruise right away, but find something similar. If you're going to run a cruise, then do it with your high-paying clients. But, um, you know, they've worked with you before. How do you re-engage with them? Send them a message about, hey, we're going to be on a cruise. And then basically re-engage with them from there because you're yeah. hitting them back up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, and methods like that are basically creative marketing methods uh, coming in from different angles. So rather than hitting someone straight away with an offer that 
they might be skeptical about. You know, you're going to have skepticism from an audience that's unaware of you, that hasn't had anything from you before, because that's natural human behavior. You know, especially if you're showing up in weird places, it, it would make sense if someone's walking into the dental reception to expect to be hit with certain marketing messages. But when you're just cruising around on Facebook, it all feels a little bit weird. The indirect marketing approach, which is kind of what you're mentioning there, is to have people interested in something that's not directly related to whatever it is that you do, but actually a sophisticated marketing campaign is about to kick in. And that is you opt in with the potential to win a prize, but then suddenly a week later, a very carefully crafted email sequence starts going through and then a retargeting Facebook ad sequence starts going through. And then, you know, that particular business starts doing some social media posts and some videos to create awareness around the actual thing that it is that they're wanting to sell. And there's that kind of coming in, coming in at a right angle with an audience that can be incredibly effective. If I look at, some of the ad campaigns that we've run, the ones that we've run directly to cold audience with a product or an offer attached to it, these days, you probably, with Facebook ads, if you get one or 2% click-through rate on a Facebook ad campaign that you're running, you're doing pretty well. But if you do an indirect marketing thing, which is perhaps some kind of giveaway or something that's loosely associated with the business, you can be, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent click-through rate, which is insane. So, yeah, it's, it definitely pays for a business to think laterally about how they're actually going to spark the imagination and interest of an audience that they want to start to talk to. Without a doubt. I mean, it's kind of like going back to that whole thing where people on mailing lists think of someone as, if they haven't bought from me within ten days, then screw them, they're not a good lead. When in reality, that same person could buy from you in a year if you just keep nurturing. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. I mean, there's a, a business we're working for at the minute. Because of the business that they're in, their sales cycles are six to nine months. So they work in the, the travel industry. Yeah. And the product that they have means that people will probably only need that product a couple of times a year. So it's like you can't just hit them a week before they need that product because you're not actually sure when they're going to be traveling anyway. So you have to have like a six-month cycle of constant engagement and value and ideas just to actually be front of mind at a point that a person is ready to transact. You know, they'll be like, oh, I need this thing. Oh, well, these guys have been talking about you know, roughly around this thing, or they've been giving me tricks and tips and ideas. And I got this little freebie and I got this thing that I can put my luggage and blah, 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 blah. But at a point that something is about to happen, there's that familiarity. If you set yourself up in that particular instance to like try and push a product for a couple of weeks and then you just go stone cold on people, it's like, well, three months later when they are actually ready to buy, they've fucking forgotten who you are. Yep. They're out on Google looking for whatever it is that they're actually after. Whereas if you'd have been consistent and shown up on a, you know, two or three times a week basis or whatever and used social media just to keep that conversation and awareness going, far greater chance of, of converting. There's, there's another client um, sat on an email list of about 25,000 people 
who have not been communicated with. And they were talking about wanting to do loads and loads of crazy new stuff. And I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> um, the people that know you the most are probably the people that you've let go cold on your email list. Now, it's a massive challenge to reinvigorate and clean and, and kind of get people back up into a conversation. It's a bit like having a friendship with someone and then going stone cold on them for years and then suddenly expecting that you can just pick the conversation back up again. Some friendships are like that, but most friendships, you need to kind of get the ball rolling again. But I, I, would, I would throw in a caveat to that. Go on. It's the caveat of most friendships aren't like that. Most friendships are trying to get back in touch with someone. The first thing you say is, hey, let me start this conversation off and then I want something. That's how you rebuild it up. Whereas if it's just a friend that you've had for literally years and you've not spoken to and you can get back in touch with and it's like you never left off, that's different because you're never going in expecting to ever ask for anything from them. Yeah. There's differences. Yeah, that's true. But like what I'm getting at is the type of relationship that you're trying to build, especially in, in the commerce side, is someone that you can rely on, that can rely on you to, co- to consistently provide them with good value, good results, and help them do what they need to do. Yeah. That's kind of like the end, end game of it all. So kind of from that, I do have a question for you because I know we're, we don't have as much time as I'd like today, but like we're still working through it and covered a lot. Real quickly, if you could actually, what would you say... How do I put this in a way that isn't going to sound douchey? It's probably going to sound douchey. Um, so what, the question I actually have for you is, what would you suggest would be the most basic funnel or basic system someone could start using in order to actually uh, create their offers? Now let's just say it's an info product. Let's make it super easy. It's an info product. doesn't matter what it is. What is a basic structural outline they could run with that isn't the basic norm? Oh, yeah, I'm putting you right on the spot, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Dad, see you later. There's classically three stages to any funnel. There's the awareness stage. There's the nurture stage. And then after a transaction, there should be, but there very fucking rarely is, an ongoing, like, happy customer relationship nurture stage. So one is nobody knows about you. What the hell are you going to do about it? The second one is people start to know about you. They start to actually understand the value. And then you ask them to make a transactional commitment. You know, they pay you for something. They buy from from you. And then there's you're sat on a load of people that have bought from you in the past. Is there an opportunity to sell to them again, whether that's a subscription or an upsell or whatever else? A lot of businesses fail to actually continuously build relationships with existing customers. And they are your greatest brand ambassadors. They're the ones that are most likely to buy from you again. They're the ones that are most likely to refer you to other people. Um, And a lot of businesses forget that. It's like as soon as they've given you the credit card details, you know, fuck it. Never going to talk to them again. Crazy. Um, But with something like an info product... There are a lot of different ways of cutting the cloth, but I would, depending on the platform, I'd be thinking about uh, completely unaware audience content. You know, what are you going to do to actually get whatever it is, the, the benefits, the outcomes of your product to that audience? 
Are you going to do it as social media posts? Are you going to do it as ads? Are you going to do it as, you know, video? Um, you want to be doing something that actually highlights the the value and the outcomes that, that them having you in their life will actually bring. But at some point, you're going to want to capture some information off them. You could do that with some kind of email opt-in. You could do that with registration for either an online or an offline event. You could do it with uh, other mechanisms like chatbots. You know, de again, depending on where the audience is and what the platform is, there's lots of different ways. But you, you want to grab some information from them as soon as possible because you can then continue the conversation knowing their first name, <laughs> knowing their mobile phone number, knowing their email address. You've been able to drive stuff actually at them wherever they are. So even if they're not on Facebook or LinkedIn or TikTok or Snapchat or whatever, they're getting something sent to their mobile phone because their mobile phone is then spawning a notification and they're like, oh, you know, so-and-so's getting in touch with me, blah, blah, blah. Um, what that would look like for an info product I think very much depends if is if it's a subscription based thing so if it's like i don't know a membership website or something similar like that that you've actually got or a, a closed group you know people are paying for access on a monthly basis to a closed group it might make sense to give them like a seven day trial or something similar or give them like a, a first month free they, they have to give you a certain amount of details, maybe including the credit card details. And if they don't uh, opt out, if they don't unsubscribe, if they don't remove themselves from the process at month two or day eight or whatever it might be, a transaction will naturally happen because that's what they've agreed to. But again, it very much depends on what that info product looks like, how you're delivering it. Um, from there with that information as i say you can then choose whatever the hell it is that you want to do to take them through the rest of the journey but it's really really important that you do keep building the relationship with them you want to be throwing some social proof at them you want to be reminding them of the benefits you want to be reminding them of what the offer actually is like what the core info product is but also is it a scarcity deal that you're wrapping around it? Is it a trial option that you're wrapping around it? Are you going to give them a certain amount for free? Are you going to, as founder members of a new info product, are you going to perhaps um, throw a load of bonuses in? You know, if they join within 20 days as a founder member, are they going to get access to X and Y and Z that no future members are ever going to get? Lots and lots of different ways of cutting the cloth. Um, they're all variations of fairly common themes. But I think what's important is to make sure that it makes sense to you financially as a business, that it makes sense within whatever marketing campaigns it is that you choose to do. And also that it's attractive to the end user. Because if it's like they get a seven-day free trial, they go for it, they have a look at the content, and then within a couple of days they've unsubscribed because there's not enough content there or the content's shit. It's like, well, yeah, you've got a bit of a problem here. The, the core product itself really does need building out because we're just going to continuously churn subscribers if we're not careful. Yeah. And that's kind of the same thing. It goes back to you got to have a good enough offer to hook people in and keep them going. Yeah. yeah just basically the long and short of it. All right. So usually I have like two questions left, but I don't think we have enough time to run through both of them. So I'm going to ask you my favorite question on the show. 
Cool. So, you know when, like, life, as you said it right away, it kicked you in the fucking nods the first time you start your own business? It always does. Uh, almost universally, sometimes it doesn't. But my question is, when life handed you your own ass and knocked you on your butt, what did you do to stop pulling yourself back up so you could consistently build a life underneath you? Ooh, it still happens. Oh, of course uh, it does. I, yeah, I mean, the amount of people that I've spoken to that are kind of three steps ahead, I guess, of where I currently am, you know, where I would want to be. Um, if you ask around and people are honest, it's like on a weekly basis, we're falling over flat on our faces or, you know, we're taking chances and, and failing and learning and picking yourself back up quick and all the rest of it. Um, I think, I think for me, a lot of it, it kind of goes back to how you feel about stuff. So sometimes, Sometimes you need to actually put yourself into a vacuum or create the space, almost like elevate yourself above all the common business problems um, to see what's really going on. You know, is it something within you? Is it something within your control? Is it an external factor that's kicking in? Is it, you know, some victim syndrome that you've got that keeps just dragging you back into the same pattern of problems over and over again? Um I've learned over the past couple of years that probably only 10% of business success is about the tactical stuff. Like, you know, are you actually operating the business successfully, the administration and the finance and the marketing and the sales and product development and team and all the rest of it? I would say 80, 90% of it comes down to the leader, the business owner, the entrepreneur actually really really nailing down the mindset and that is a daily fucking thing it's a daily habit that you have to invest a certain amount of time in your own health and well-being and and balancing your mindset whether that's journaling and meditation or keeping yourself fit or taking time out you know some kind of regular structure that actually keeps you as sane as you possibly can be to then make those tactical decisions about what happens next to the business. Yeah, would agree. You got to make an informed decision. Otherwise you're just going to keep screwing yourself up over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's, it's something I realized as well. The problems I have today are the same problems I would have killed for 10 years ago. Yeah. Like the financials that I have today are like the things that were only fancy when I started out. 11 years ago like 12 years ago it's, it's insane when you think about it in that sense but rob it's been a true pleasure having you on the show my friend and i hope i can get you back on again for a round two uh because i would love that yeah um, yeah guys go check out robsales.co.uk that's s-a-y-l-e-s.co.uk you can also find him on facebook he has a pretty active uh facebook profile as well as a group what is your group called again stunning funnels yeah it's called stunning funnels so far that May change, you know, based on what we've just talked about. I'm and not sure. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 yeah. Fundamentally, it's all it's all to date been kind of tactical stuff. But actually, I want to do more strategic stuff, and I'm not sure whether the word funnel in the title is uh, anywhere near appropriate. 
Yeah, I don't think it would be. I think stunning strategies or stunning marketing would be the best thing to do because you are pretty damn good at that. So guys, go check out Rob Sales. Find him online. Uh, follow him everywhere you can because he's brilliant. And as always, please review, rate, and recommend the show uh, as well as like leave a review on Apple because that would be superb for us. I love reading those. All right, guys, I'm going to bounce out, and I'll see you next week on another episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged.